We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Training camp is almost here, guys. Cannot believe it. So excited, so pumped for Indianapolis Colts football to finally be back. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. All your Colts football needs here on the channel. Also wanted to welcome on a special guest, friend of the show, Mr. Colts Law himself, Lawrence Owen. Lawrence, can you believe, man, training camp is upon us? Uh, no. I mean, after last season, it's been two years since I've been to training camp. I know. I mean, my goodness, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I, it feels like it's Christmas, man. This is, this is one of those times where you're just like, it's back, man. I cannot believe it. It's been such a long off season. So let's get to it, man. And, and this is kind of a tradition that we do every off season. I wanted to do it right before training camp. Cause I think it's a very valid thing to think about. I wanted to look at all the new acquisitions the Indianapolis Colts had in 2021 and kind of look at the off season, talk about some of the free agents they signed, talk about some of the draft picks they drafted and kind of talk about based off of expectations. Now, you know, we talked a little bit Lawrence off air, like some of these guys are going to have a little bit of a different expectation um, based off of the player. We know them to be, or have known them to be. So We'll kind of talk about based off of those expectations, whether we feel like they're going to fly or flop. We'll kind of just go from the earliest guys that got signed and kind of work our way up to the most recent. So Mm -hmm. with that being said, let's talk about uh, the first guy that was signed March 19th. That was Sam Tevy. Now, it's presumed, Lawrence, that Sam Tevy will be the starting left tackle while Eric Fisher is on the men from that Achilles injury. And the expectations, I kind of feel like, are kind of all over the place for Sam Tevy. But I feel like for, for a lot of us, the content creators, we're expecting him to be solid, right? So I guess I'm curious for you, based off of what you've watched, I know you've watched some film on Sam Tevy, you know a little bit more about him as a player, Based off of what you've seen of him, do you think he's going to be a fly or flop type of guy here with Indianapolis? 
I believe that there's something that the Colts themselves know it and are able to fix, right? Um, so if he's got something that is very, very uh, weak, that they can give him a little bit of help in that specific area. So I don't think he's going to have any problems. Uh, I think he's going to fly um, above the expectation line that we that general um, media and Colts fans are expecting. Yeah. So I'm curious, you talked about some of his weaknesses. Do you feel like a lot of them are kind of coaching correctable type of things for him? I think it actually, I think some of it is a little bit in the area of he's just not quick enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he has problems with uh, really good speed edge rushers. As long as he's got someone that's able to tap him inside so that he can get their, his hands on him. I think he does a perfectly good job. Uh, very much similar to uh, what Braden Smith had issues with in his rookie year, you know, over on the right side, but Tevi's playing left side. So uh, we have tight ends and running backs that are very good at just kind of chipping them in real quick when they go out on routes. I think he's going to be perfectly okay. Yeah, and, and people seem to forget, I think, that last year the Colts had a rotation of guys that played left tackle for them. So they're not, you know, it's not foreign to have guys that are kind of new in there, a little bit fresh, and can't do any worse than the Raven Clark and Chaz Green, in my opinion. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think Sam Tevy's going to be a guy that not a whole lot of people are talking about, but I think he's going to be a solid left tackle till Eric Fisher gets back. And I don't think he's going to be maybe the liability that some people think he might be. But the other guy might be that we're going to talk about, that's Julian Davenport. If there was a player that the Colts signed Lawrence in free agency that had lower expectations set on him, I think Julian Davenport is that standard there. Based off of what you've seen in his game, where do you stand in terms of him? Because expectations aren't very high. But do you think he has a chance to potentially exceed expectations or even be worse than the expectations that are set on him right now? I Okay, so I believe he's better than – I think Davenport's better than Green and, and Clark. But I don't believe he's a starting viable left tackle that what the Colts would use. He gets overpowered easy. And the Colts are huge in the power run game. So I don't think that – I think that Davenport is one of those guys that you hope doesn't have to see the field. But if he does, you're going to get better snaps than, uh, from guys that, you be, that we had uh, that was forced to go in there last year. So mm-hmm. – um, Again, I expect him to fly around expectations. Uh, I, I don't see him below uh, because, like you said, there are some the bar is set really low on Davenport right now, and I, I just I don't see how you could have it set so low as to what we had last year at the backup tackle spot. <laughs> Well, that's good that you don't feel like he's worse than those guys. Yeah. I don't know how much worse you could have gotten. It was it was pretty bad. So yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Davenport. Like the good thing with setting expectations so low is he could very easily, I feel like, pleasantly surprise a lot of people. Now, obviously, you don't. I don't think you want him as your starter. I mean, we saw what happened to Deshaun Watson when he was the starter on that Texans offensive line. So don't want him quite there. But yeah, I think he has a good chance, especially with all the guys on this offensive line, the coaching that seems like every year players are getting better on this offensive line because of the coaching and also just because they're talented. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, I think he definitely has a chance to get better as a player here under the Indianapolis Colts and working with these other guys. So I agree with you there. Um, all right. So here's the, another guy that's interesting. A guy that I think a lot of people kind of, when, when they saw the Colts signed him, they kind of were like, okay, that's Malik Jefferson. People seem to forget Malik Jefferson was a pretty high draft pick a few years ago. So the talent is not there. He's kind of been, though, a journeyman a little bit in his young NFL career. He's gone to a couple different teams before Indianapolis. Now he signs here. And Lawrence, there is an opening for that Sam linebacker position. There's going to be a position battle in training camp for that. I don't know if Malik Jefferson's going to be in that conversation, but he certainly has the physical attributes to it just makes you go, hmm, a little bit. But based off of the expectations for him, do you think he has a chance to fly or flop here with Indianapolis? Well, honestly, I think that Malik Jefferson has more of a chance to fly than anything because I don't think that most Colts fans even know who Malik Jefferson is, mm -hmm. right? So there is no expectations, whether they be high or low, by the majority because, you know, other names were so much more important that they, they focused on, like the left tackle position, you know, like the quarterback and, and other positions like that. Um, he's going to have his hands full, though. Um, in, in training camp and preseason uh, against other guys that are going to be vying for that Sam, uh, that Sam linebacker. I expect him to make the 53. I don't think that he's going to be uh, getting a whole lot of snaps because I don't believe that he'll be the starting Sam. Mm -hmm. I, I have my, I have my uh, hopes wrapped up in a different linebacker for that. Um, hoping a, a, a jump. And last year, they were only in base formations with a, a, a Sam linebacker on the field 30% of the time last year. So, and I, I don't expect that to jump anymore uh, this upcoming season. So, for that in itself, I think he's going to be above expectations just for the fact that he's going to be, I, I, I do believe he'll make the team. So, that's that's more than than what a lot of people would put into it, I believe. Yeah. That makes sense. All right, we're going to move on to some guys who are a little bit more well-known now. Um, we're going to talk about some of these Indianapolis Colts draft picks before we move on to the last free agent the Colts signed of note. Um, let's talk about the guy the Colts drafted in round number one. That's Quiddy Pay. Now, expectations, Lawrence, have been everywhere for Quiddy Pay. People are saying he's going to be a double-digit sack guy right out of the gate. Some people are saying, well, I don't know about that. Let's say let's say about half that. Um, where do you fall in terms of Quiddy Pay's impact 
right away. And do you think based off of kind of the, the general expectation, do you think he's going to fly or flop here in year number one? Well, the great thing about being a rookie to have success as a rookie is you need to have fundamentals. You have to have the right head on your shoulders, uh, be willing to listen and learn, realize that you can only get better and have the right work attitude and quitty paychecks every box. So I believe he will have some success as a rookie. Uh, will he be a 16 sack guy? No, I don't think so. But if he can reach even uh, eight sacks on the season, I think that in and of itself is, is a bar that he could reach and possibly get beyond. Will he get double digits? Who knows? 10 sacks, that's, that's an iffy thing. But to be fair, He's never had a guy like DeForest Buckner sitting beside him, right? Sure. So uh, he'll, he'll get a lot of one-on-ones in college. He was the guy over mm-hmm. there in Michigan, right? There, there was no other guy on the front seven that was worth a darn last year in the front seven that played for Michigan. And so the all the offenses were always about doubling down on Quiddy Pay. He's not going to get that near as much here in the NFL with DeForest Buckner or Grover Stewart, depending upon whether or not they flip back and forth. I believe Quiddy Pay will exceed expectations, general expectations. Okay. That's good to know. I mean, that's certainly encouraging because that, you know, first round picks, there's always an expectation that's pretty high. So if you think he's going to exceed expectations, that is definitely a win. All right, let's move on to the second round pick that the Colts had. Now, Dio Dengbo is an interesting one, Lawrence, because obviously he had that injury. Some people said it could be a red shirt, you know, rookie year for him, or he could potentially come back midseason. Um, there's been kind of like speculations kind of all over the place on when his return is going to be. But I think it's pretty safe to say he's not going to be in training camp. He's not probably going to be the first couple games of the season for sure. So I feel like the the expectations for him right away are virtually nothing because a lot of people expect him to really not have an impact here in year number one. For that reason, do you feel like he has the potential to to be kind of a, a under-the-radar type of fly guy there maybe in, in the later uh, half of the season? Under the radar, yes. Uh, I don't expect him to play next year as well. As long as the, the front four finds their starting unit uh, early on, I don't. I expect them to, as you said, do a redshirt year. Um, it's, it's a situation where, uh, yes, he had a similar injury to Eric Fisher and many others that the Colts had last year, but he was a college guy. And the college guys don't have those type of surgeons that that do those surgeries on you. And it takes longer for them to come back from from that Achilles. Now, um, the thing about Dio is he's aggressive. And if he does play, I fully expect him to be a menace on that defensive line. I think expectations for Dio are, are set incredibly low, not only because the fact that he was injured, but the fact that, you know, no one really knew who he was a whole lot before the draft happened. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't a top five defensive lineman that people were looking for. You know, he was, he was down there in, in, in the lower picks. Now, some, some said that he had first round pick potential and when he played absolutely, but his aggressiveness and his uh, just freak athleticism and size 
alone, to me, makes me believe that if he does play, that he's going to make impact plays even early on. But he's got to play, and I don't know if he's going to do that. Yeah, this one's a little bit tough to say fly or flop because you just don't know. Really depends on the injury, but yeah, mm-hmm. he can get back. I think he has a chance to be an under-the-radar late-season kind of fly type of guy. So, All right, let's move on now to the next guy the Colts drafted. They didn't have a pick, remember, in, in round number three because of the Carson Wentz trade. So round number four, the Indianapolis Colts addressed their tight end need. They selected Kylan Granson out of SMU. Now, I feel like Lawrence's expectations for Kylan Granson in the fourth round are very high for a lot of people. A lot of people are expecting, I know even Derek, they're expecting him to have a potentially a really big impact here on this Indianapolis Colts passing offense. Where do you stand based off of the expectations for Kylan Granson? Do you think he has a chance to exceed those expectations? Or do you think maybe we just need to like hold our horses a little bit here on a guy like him? Okay. So I am sitting on the fence on this one. I really mm-hmm. am because I feel like the Colts have a lot of talent right now at tight end, uh, a lot of faith in Doyle. Um, I believe that Moelle Cox can be a breakout candidate this year, but at the same time, we all have realized Frank Reich uses the Kylan Granson type tight ends a lot in different looks and different formations, designing specific plays for his style of play. So I believe there are going to be a lot of plays that will be designed specifically for Granson for him to show his skill set and to make big plays. Um, Do I think he's going to be the primary target every time? No. I believe that the Colts are going to have multiple guys at tight end used a lot. I don't think he's going to be the sole focus. But I do believe there will be games where Granson is going to explode. He's going to have six, seven, eight touches in a game and 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 do a lot of big impact plays, uh, whether it be uh, little quick pitch out toss reverses, you know, that we've seen or big scene plays down the middle of the field. So I, I do believe he has the potential to fly above, but I think that the Colts a lot of Colts fans' expectations are higher than mine mm-hmm. because of the fact that I have faith in the other tight ends on the on the team. Gotcha. So it may be a little bit of a not a it's hard to say flop because that sounds so harsh, but based off of some people's expectations, they think he might have five, six hundred yards, you know. Maybe it's just like, ah, oh, let's temper expectations a little bit because no Colts tight end last year eclipsed uh four hundred yards, if I'm not mistaken. So well, last year was also a different situation when you had to keep them inside to help pass block rather than go out on routes to help with uh, Rivers and mobility. So that's true. That's also true. So, yeah, I mean, I, I see both sides of it, but uh, mm-hmm. I also see the argument, you know, from both both ways, like you were talking about, Lawrence. But all right, let's move on now to some other draft picks. A little bit later on, Sean Davis was selected in the fifth round out of Florida. Strong safety, the other Sean Davis, which we'll talk about here after the draft um, that the Colts brought in. And, I mean, the expectations are kind of like special teams, I think. It's kind of where a lot of people have landed. But based off of what you've seen from Sean Davis, do you think he has a legit chance maybe to be the third or fourth safety here with Indianapolis? I believe Sean Davis has the chance to actually – he's in one of these rare situations where he might get playing time just because 
And when I say playing time, I mean playing time on the defense just because I believe that the Colts might go um, into a cover three look because they, they showed it a lot last year. And they used a third safety inside to help rather than having a Sam linebacker, which is why a lot why I was talking about they only went into base formation 30% of the time. They used safeties a lot and they brought a box safety in. Sean Davis, the draft pick, is a downhill thumper. And I believe he is that, that third safety in a cover three system that would do that would exceed expectations in that situation. Um base formations and in nickel packages, I don't see him. But in a cover three with three safeties on the field, I see him getting a few snaps early on. So, yeah. Awesome. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, there's a couple more guys that we can talk about. Sam Ellinger is a name that comes up, quarterback out of Texas. Probably the most surprising pick of the draft for a lot of people. But uh, there's going to be that interesting battle, Lawrence, for that number two backup quarterback position between him and Jacob Eason. Now, in your thoughts, where do you stand on that battle? Who do you think maybe has the advantage there? And do you think based off of some of the expectations for him, do you think maybe he has a chance to exceed them? No. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, don't get me wrong. They picked up Sam Ellinger for a reason. You know, he's, you know, they caught his eye. And a lot of that has to do with his winning mentality, his ability to uh, make decisions and plays on the fly, things of that nature, his mobility. However, I don't think he's going to see the field this upcoming season. So that's that's going to flop expectations of a lot of people who who think that he might end up being a number two. I don't believe that because I believe that the backup quarterback will not be him. Right. I, I believe it's Jacob Eason. I think Jacob Eason is, I mean, when it comes to quarterbacks, Frank Reich, he likes arm talent. And Eason has that arm talent. And Sam Ellinger is not the best thrower of the football. So mm -hmm. I, I don't expect him uh, to get any kind of playtime necessarily when it comes, you know, a lot of people think, well, what about some of those plays that, Jacoby Brissett did last year. That was with an immobile quarterback. You know, right. we have Carson Wentz who who can make those plays on his own if and when he needs to call. Carson Wentz is not going to want to come out to have a backup quarterback go in and do a, a quarterback sneak or something. So uh, I I don't think that um, Sam Ellinger is going to be. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I think he's going to flop compared to many people's expectations. I'm right there with you. Um, it was interesting. We had a guy, we did a Q&A uh, a few days ago, and we had a guy that asked, like, what is the percent, um, do you think, chance, and I said, uh, of him, you know, beating out Jacob Eason, and I said, oh, probably under 20%. <laughs> I just don't feel like he really has that much. I mean, maybe he does. Maybe he shocks us. It's just absolutely incredible in training camp. But, yeah, I feel like the talent that the Jacob Eason has is, is a lot more than Sam Ellinger, if that makes sense. And he's just more of the prototypical quarterback build. So I think I'm right there tracking with you. Um, there's a couple other guys, though, from this draft pick. Uh, this draft, I should say. The guy we'll talk about here is Mike Strawn. Now, Mike Strawn, he is an interesting name, man, because Mike Strawn is physically a absolute freak. 
of a wide receiver, of an athlete. I mean, my goodness, this guy is ginormous. He's a giant human being. And a lot of people saw those measurables and were instantly excited and thought he could challenge for a roster spot. Now, obviously, there's a big leap from the deep. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. ...to level where he was playing to the NFL level. Based on the expectations you've seen, Lawrence, where do you stand on a guy like Mike Strawn? Man, when I've I've been sitting here watching Colts fans, and look, I like Mike Strawn's measurables too. I like his film, but like you said, D two expectations. Some of these Colts fans are out here thinking that he's he's got a shot to be like the number four wide receiver on the Colts, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, there's no way. There's a reason why he was picked so late in the draft, right? Will he make the roster? There's a chance. That's what he's fighting for. The Colts actually have a lot of very young, gifted uh, wide receivers right now uh, on the 90-man roster that are fighting for that same spot that played last year, you know, like a Doolin, like uh, DeMichael Harris, you know, like other guys that that they have. He's going to be fighting with these names that have actual NFL experience and have played out there. Um so in that aspect, I think he could flop, but at the same time, you said there's a huge difference between D2 and the NFL. Uh, we don't know. We don't know what he's going to be able to provide. Uh, we had very similar expectations with a guy named Dion Kane uh, a few years back, and look what happened with that. So I'm tempering my expectations with Strawn. I hope him the best and I hope he succeeds, but I got to, I got to, I got to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Sure. And the last draft pick the Colts had was Will Fries out of Penn state. He's played a little bit everywhere on that offensive line. He's played guard. He's played tackle. Um, but I think he maybe has a, a shot with his versatility. That was the thing that stuck out about him was just all the ways that he can be versatile. Kind of like, you know, a couple of years ago, with Joe Haig, for Indianapolis, he, he's kind of your Swiss Army knife of the offensive line a little bit. Um, but as far as expectations go, nobody's really talked about Will Fries really at all. Um, so where do you stand on Will Fries? Do you think he has a chance to potentially exceed expectations, which I would assume would be a roster spot? Or do you think he's probably the expectations are right where they should be? Or do you think maybe he he could even like not go to expectations? I believe Will Fries makes the roster. Okay just because of his mentality and the fact that, as you said, you know, uh, he's very versatile across that offensive line. And that is very, very important. 
Um, the Colts really don't have a guy like that that could go to just about any position uh, mm-hmm. on that line, and you need someone like that. And Will Fries, I believe, can be that person and will be that person. Now, he won't be a starter. He won't even be uh, the majority of your backups across the line. But if uh, push comes to shove and the Colts get in a pinch where you have like uh, two injuries back-to-back on the same position – Will Price can step in, and that and that happens in the NFL occasionally. So that's that's a situation where I believe that Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are looking at ahead and realizing we need someone that can do this, and I believe Will Fries will be that guy. Awesome, that would be great if you get a seventh round pick that can do that for you. That's definitely a steal. All right. Uh, there was a couple other free agents the Colts signed. Sean Davis, the other one from Pittsburgh. Some people think he could potentially take that number three safety spot. So there's a, there's some decently high expectations for him. Where do you stand on the Sean Davis from Pittsburgh? Sean Davis from Pittsburgh. I like Sean Davis from Pittsburgh. Now, uh, when he played there as a free safety, he was very good at playing free safety. And I believe that he'll end up being the backup to Julian Blackman. Um, Will he get a lot of playing time? Probably not. But I think that he's kind of in a very similar situation uh, to where Mike Adams was a few years back, where he's more of a veteran presence than anything, uh, being able to. Now, Mike Adams made plays, obviously, but uh, he wasn't ex- he wasn't the long-term answer. He was there to, to, to teach people. I think that Sean Davis is one of those guys as well. Um, he, he really, when he was with Pittsburgh at strong safety, he didn't play very well. He wasn't more, uh, a great box type safety, but he played it and he knew how to play it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, at free safety, he did a very good job. I think that he could bring a lot of knowledge and help Blackman and Kari Willis take that next step to become even better safeties. And he will also help out the Sean Davis that we drafted as well. So expectations on him on the field aren't very high, but his impact on the team overall because of him being on the roster will exceed expectations. As talented as they are, they are incredibly young still mm-hmm. as that safety duo, your two starters. So to have a veteran presence in there, we saw a couple of years ago with Mike Mitchell, another guy from former Pittsburgh Steeler, um, who came in and really had an impact on a guy like Quincy Wilson. And Quincy had his best year with Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. So you got to wonder, like, is that going to help, you know, those younger defensive backs as well? Like not even the safety, maybe maybe a guy like Rocky Sen, you know, just teaching him some stuff and just just giving him being kind of a mentor figure in a way in that safety room and in that just that defensive backs room in general. So yeah, overall, I feel like uh, he's just a great veteran presence. And you know, if, if something happens and one of your guys needs a break or misses a game or two, you feel pretty comfortable with a guy like Sean Davis stepping in there at the free safety position. And obviously the drop off is going to be decent, but you know, you feel good about, it. you know, this isn't a situation a couple of years ago when Malik Hooker went down right before that playoff game and you have JJ Wilcox in there, right? It's not that kind of situation. You know, you have a guy that's going to be with you throughout the season. So if you need him to jump in in a pinch, you feel pretty good about that. So yeah, I, overall, I, I like that signing. I think it was a very underrated signing. I think it could do wonders, man, for the maturity and the growth of some of these young defensive backs. 
Let's move on to the last guy of note that the Colts signed. And this was the big one, Lawrence. This is the one, the big domino that we were wondering, especially after the draft, when the Colts didn't address offensive line till the last round. The Colts went and signed former first overall pick in 2013, Eric Fisher, on a one-year deal worth over $8 million. And now Eric Fisher suffered from that Achilles injury last year and may probably won't start the season out. He'll probably be injured. He'll come back maybe a couple games in, maybe a month in, maybe a, a month and a half. Really not sure exactly when that will be. But overall, the expectations are sky high for a guy like Eric Fisher. I mean, number one overall pick for a reason. I mean, he was fantastic with Kansas City when he was healthy last year. He was out of all the guys that you know, the Colts could have potentially signed. I thought he was far and away the best option for Indianapolis. So the expectations are high for him, Lawrence. Where do you stand on on potentially if he could fly or flop here with the Colts? I think he'll be fine. Eric Fisher, now he, as a career-wise, as a number one over pick, he was a flop. You know, you, you get what I'm saying. He's he's, mm-hmm. he's never been a number one overall pick kind of uh, left tackle, but he's been solid his entire career. Uh, started off a little shaky early on and then just got better with age, got better and better and better. Uh, he averages uh, ranking right around where Anthony Costanzo was, you know, throughout his career, somewhere between number eight and number uh, 13 overall at the left tackle position in the NFL. He's had a couple Pro Bowls. Uh, last year, even, you know, he was a Pro Bowl uh, left tackle for the Chiefs before his injury in the playoffs. So um, I truly believe that Eric Fisher will will do just absolute. I, I don't see how you can exceed expectations when you're looking at Eric Fisher and go, you know, he's going to be good. You know, I I feel like his expectations are right about where they need to be. I truly believe that he was that guy. I think he was the the Colts' backup plan the entire time when they walked into the draft, you know, which is why they weren't so forceful into getting a left tackle uh, in the draft. If it fell to him, great, they grab him. But I feel like, you know, Eric Fisher was that guy on, on, the, on, on their backside going, you know what, if we can't get one, he's sitting right here. We can go and sign him, you know, and it seemed like that's exactly what happened because it happened less than a week after the draft that they signed him. Right. Um, And uh, even the Chiefs were reported uh, wanting to re-sign Fisher, even with all the extra uh, offensive line signings that they had this past season. So that's got to say something. Fisher wasn't going to be signing for anyone under – you know, $9 million or something. So even with the injury, which means the Chiefs were were willing to pay that and somehow the Colts got him instead. I'm excited about it. And I think that uh, he's going to perform incredibly well because he has never over in Kansas City had a guy like Quentin Nelson beside him. Right. So as good as he's been, an 8 to 13 type, you know, range left tackle, you put a, the best offensive lineman in the NFL beside you, you're only going to be that much better. So, yeah, my expectations for him set pretty high. Yep. We saw that with with Anthony Costanzo, who you mentioned. 
I felt like the Quentin Nelson effect was humongous on Anthony Costanzo. He just seemed like, you know, kind of like you talked with Eric Fisher, how he got better with age. Costanzo was phenomenal the last couple of years with Indianapolis. Mm-hmm with playing alongside of Quentin Nelson. And so you got to wonder, man, Eric Fisher has been playing kind of with, um, he's been kind of one of the mainstays on that offensive line. Now that he has a player like Quentin Nelson, who we've seen have an impact on some of those tackles, how much better can he get here at age 30? Like, could he have a Costanzo like type of thing where he even gets better as an offensive tackle playing alongside of Quentin Nelson? It'll certainly be interesting to see. Hopefully he Mm -hmm. can get back sooner rather than later at offensive tackle. But, guys, that's our look at all the new acquisitions of note. There were some guys that we left out that we don't really think are going to have an impact or maybe not make the roster. But these are the main guys of note that we wanted to talk about. Thank you, Lawrence, for coming on, man. Always a pleasure to have you on. Cannot wait for training camp, like I said at the beginning. Thank you, everybody who listens to this podcast. Really appreciate it. If you're still hanging around with us and you haven't yet, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe button, and head over to Lawrence's channel and check out his stuff. Always pumps out great Colts content and NFL content in general. So be sure to check him out. But that'll do it for this one, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, go Colts.